So I got a lot of good response from what happens to your body during postpartum. So I thought I'd do a more detailed explanation of what happens to your body while you're breastfeeding or pumping um, so that you can better understand how to use them. Hey mama, are you in your third trimester and starting to freak out about the postpartum period? We'll take a deep breath and welcome to the New Mom Naturopath Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kaylin Galloway, a naturopathic physician and a fellow mom who's been in your shoes. From mindset techniques to holistic strategies for your health, we'll empower you to navigate motherhood with confidence and vitality. So grab a comforting cup of tea, or who are we kidding, coffee, and let's dive in to this incredible chapter of your life. My goal of this podcast is to embrace the naturopathic principle of docere, which means to teach. I really want you to learn practical advice on how to actually improve your postpartum experience, but this does not replace the use of your own personal physician. Any and all medical advice should be done and taken through the careful and personal decisions of your medical doctor. Can I let you in on a little secret? You're probably spending way too much time preparing for labor and not enough time preparing for postpartum. Postpartum is a zillion times longer, and I want to help you with it. So check out my free training at www.thenewmomnaturopath.com. That's thenewmomnaturopath.com. It's a 40-minute training that helps you prepare for postpartum with confidence. Today, we're going to be talking about lactogenesis, which is a fancy way of saying making milk. So when you give birth you we talked about this in this last episode if you haven't listened to it go back it's called what happens to your body in postpartum but as your baby leaves you have a rapid drop in a lot of hormones including progesterone progesterone and estrogen um and then a couple of others but i don't want to go down that rabbit hole but you have a rapid drop and for lack of i don't really know that we know the exact mechanism but that is one of the signals for your body to start having prolactin be secreted at a higher level because the estrogen is usually an inhibitory molecule that prevents your body from going into um, a, a major lactogenesis or from producing a ton of milk during pregnancy. Now, that is not the case for everyone. For me, I started producing milk way early on, so it's not like this is a constant but you end up having your the rapid decrease in estrogen and that causes the body to start increasing prolactin. Now, prolactin's job in the body is to increase the mammary glands in the breast tissue to create milk. So it causes all of the organelles within the cells within those tissues to start the process of creating the proteins and the solutions that are going to be secreted in your breast milk but your body doesn't actually spit it out or produce the milk in in its outside of your body form um until i loved how i put that wow uh it doesn't secrete the milk unless which also sounds gross but anyway i'm gonna stop i'm gonna start making terrible jokes when i was in high school this is the nerd in me i'm gonna like go on a tangent here i went to a camp where I got to go and witness all of these surgeries and when I was there the doctor kept making like 
examples of like this looks like icing and this looks like cake and like to this day I can't look at the human body the same so I make jokes anyway <laughs> trigger warning is that is that where you put that I don't know that just popped into my head anyway so <laughs> your body doesn't actually start to secrete it until you have oxytocin and as I discussed in that previous episode oxytocin is responsible for the um, contractions in labor. We have synthetic forms of oxytocin called pitocin that's usually given to induce a labor, but oxytocin has a lot of different mechanisms in the body. It's something that you have secreted all the time, but its main action in, in creating milk is that it will allow you to excrete it. Now, the stimulation that causes these two hormones to secrete in your body is very different from each other. Prolactin has a lot of different chemical processes that happen in order for it to secrete. Um, so we're not very clear on how this happens. I was like diving really nerdy into the research <laughs> like Sunday night and I, you know, should have done other things, but I was, it, it was like so fun. <laughs> but uh, for obvious reasons, you can't really study this on a human brain, largely because that human brain would have just given birth to a child and um, we can't, you know, get rid of it. Um, <laughs> so it's mainly, this research is mainly done in rats. And for a lack of understanding of how, as I said before, in order for prolactin to be secreted, dopamine has to decrease. So for some reason, the body ends up um, in some way signaling a decrease in dopamine in um, in the brain and actually within the systemic circulation for females during um, breastfeeding and especially when prolactin levels are high. Now, prolactin levels and even oxytocin levels seem to be very consistent with uh, their levels during the first part of, uh, during the beginning of lactating or at the beginning of someone starting to breastfeed or nurse but then also they don't they don't correlate with the level of supply that is a different signaling mechanism and we're not quite sure what genetics would code for that and or environment as the molehill i'll die on genetics are not the reason why you have certain traits genetics are one component and environment changes your epigenetics to express those genes so that's a fancy way of saying you have genes but your environment influences them a hundred hundred times over so we don't actually know what would cause and a bigger supply versus not a bigger supply we haven't found that correlation yet I don't even know if we would be studying that let's be real women don't get studied case in point my previous podcast had um that's me reminding me to drink water um <laughs> but my previous podcast I talked about water consumption and um the the study did not include women in it because we're too complicated hormonally if you want to hear that whole story go go check out that episode um but I uh, in terms of oxytocin release and prolactin release levels don't change over the course of someone who's breastfeeding whether they breastfeed for six months or they feed for about a year so that is something to note dopamine levels decrease very specific to the person and it seemed 
I haven't seen this study be done in actual humans, largely because I said, I don't know that it ethically ever could. But in rat studies, there was not, there was a correlation between the decrease in prolactin and uh, the decrease in dopamine, sorry, the decrease in dopamine and depression levels in the mice, which I don't know how you measure depression in a mouse, but I don't, whatever, I'm not going to. I'm not going to go into that. Um, <laughs> and also, this is where it's kind of paradoxical too, though, is that women breastfeeding is actually protective for postpartum mental health, meaning that people that breastfeed tend to have less likelihood of having depression. Does that mean that you can't have depression if you, if you breastfeed? No, that's not, that's not what I'm saying. Hear me out. The <laughs> Let's be accurate. Um, but <laughs> those are the couple of, of things that I wanted to make sure I emphasized. Now, prolactin is increased as a result of that estrogen dropping and somewhat progesterone because they drop about the same rates. But then also it is by nipple stimulation. So that just means literally brushing, brushing across the nipple, not like complicated, like anything crazy. But just any touch of the nipple will signal your body to be like, we need milk. And it'll start to create the milk. Now, oxytocin usually gets stimulated with actually having the baby latch and having a significant amount of um, a specific stroke in which they end up feeding. So if you watch a baby nurse, which if you are a first-time mom and you haven't seen a baby nurse, it's they don't have the same um, pattern of sucking they don't have the same pattern during the start of a nursing session versus the end. The beginning is more of like a very quick, pa uh, quick, fast-paced um, desire, and then as they go through, it becomes less strong, more consistent, a little slower, and longer in between each um, sucking response. Um, and they end up swallow because they're ending, they're they're having to swallow more instead of. You know, it's like, fill, swallow, fill, swallow, instead of it being like trying to get it out of you. And that would be why that when you start to have a pumping session, it's always a great idea to start out on the um, letdown setting for two minutes, which is about the time a newborn would actually be attached and doing those, those quick uh, sucking motions over a period of time until you get the letdown. So it's like two minutes or until you feel a letdown. Now, if you've never had this experience, it is the most weird experience ever is when you have a letdown. Um, I assume, I haven't seen the research on this, that it's correlated with an, a rapid increase in oxytocin, but I don't, I, I honestly have, I did not go down that rabbit hole on PubMed. Um, but you'll feel a very specific feeling. And I could talk about it all day, but it's different for every woman. So for me, it was just more of like a tingling sensation, more of like a, a, um, it's just like you could just, uh, there's just like a pattern recognition that you'll feel in your body. Sometimes it itches, sometimes you feel dizzy. Some people have very horrible reactions to that oxytocin response. It's not like everybody finds it pleasant. Some people find it very endearing because you have that rapid amount of oxytocin and as I've stated before in that podcast oxytocin is your love cuddly comfort um you know it's what it's what's secreted when you have an orgasm it's just it's a very like 
delicate um, lovey-dovey hormone and it makes you feel comfy it feels it's very once you get used to it it's very intoxicating <laughs> not gonna lie it's like I'll, I'll give up the dopamine if I can have this like that's kind of how it felt for me but <laughs> but I honestly feel like yeah, it's, I, I don't want to explain this is what it's gonna feel like because it's different for everybody if it does feel like it's jarring or it's not a pleasant experience talk to your physician make sure nothing's wrong I don't want to diagnose anything over but like generally speaking you'll feel the letdown and that's when you start to actually release milk now as you begin to nurse longer and longer that letdown feeling does not become as strong like your body assimilates to that feeling and then on top of that you end up really enjoying um or you end up just not having your milk is always kind of ready. Like it, it knows when your child's going to start eating because you you develop patterns and your body so, like automatically knows the patterns that are going to come. And so my son just kind of nurses all the time. It's like, he's two. I'm, I'm so, I love him. And I will miss it. And I don't know that I'm ready to be done, but I'm ready to be done. It's like a, it's like a two different feelings and both are fine. Uh, and, um, but as you go on, this is not as a stark of a separation. But I say this to say that there's times where you're going to use the pump or there may be times after your baby is born where they're separated from you in the hospital, heaven forbid, and you don't have them lapped right away. It's really important that you know how to use the appropriate pump. So making sure that you have it on that setting for the first two minutes and then you switch to the other setting, which is just extraction of milk. And then... You know, if you are power pumping, which is another type of, um, it's another type of settings that you can do on your pump that would cause you to increase your supply. So that would mean that you do a series of the um, letdown setting and then the regular setting on cycles. So like two minutes on, 15 minutes, and you keep, you do it again because you're trying to trigger your body to have more milk because your body is going to make the level of milk that it gets signal for. So if your baby's eating every 10 minutes, which is something they usually do within the first couple of days, the first day, not so much, but their, their stomach is so, so tiny that they can only get so much milk in at a time, but they still need to send the signal to you and they also get hungry very quickly because they just don't have room for a lot of milk. So they'll feed very small amounts, quick, uh, very close together. So unfortunately, you won't get a break, but you'll have um, very clear understanding that you're gonna you're gonna be pumping a lot if you don't have your child attached to you, and if you don't have that opportunity, and you still want to nurse. Now the other side of this is if you don't want to nurse, number one, this is amazing that you stepped you kept this far into it. I I really applaud you for looking at it and really analyzing your thought process and knowing, you know, is this right for me? Is this not? Because let's be real. If you don't have appropriate mental health, mama can't provide for baby. So it is, there's zero shame in feeding your child in whatever way is possible, but ways to help you if you want to avoid lactogenesis, you want to avoid making milk is to wear a tight, um, tight bra, um, and then put, uh, cabbage leaves into your bra that'll help dry out the liquid and then also making sure you're not having any stimulation of the breast tissue at all meaning not even in the shower 
try to keep something tight clothing so that you're not like allowing it and then if you start to get uncomfortable because you are engorged or you feel like you have pressure on you um, talk to your physician about ways that you can help with this process and ease this process because there are medications that can help you to reduce it and to also dry you up the other thing i would say is as a naturopath you can use tannin rich herbs so very dry herbs um the way i would describe tannins um they're the substance that's in like teas and coffee that when you drink it um your mouth ends up getting super dry like you the the feeling of after having coffee in your mouth or tea that's tannins it's actually they're in wine too so like that's the other place that you would find them most commonly um but those in large quantities i'm not going to give a prescription of, of which herbs right now because i haven't done all the specific research to help give specific and also talk to your doctor because i'm not your doctor and this is like very yeah anyway the tannin rich herbs are able to help you reduce the moisture in your body they help you extract um, reduce moisture and so then you'd be able to help lower the amount of milk that you'd be able to secrete and then um finally i also want to talk about medications that you could use in order to help you if you're not creating enough supply. And most of those medications, um, specifically the most common medication, actually is a dopamine antagonist, meaning it limits the amount of dopamine. I don't remember if it's, I think that one blocks the, the receptor, but I could be wrong. My pharmacology is a little weak there. But either way, it reduces the amount of dopamine that you're able to put on to the synaptic cleft meaning you don't have as much signaling of dopamine in your body and so that in and of itself allows you to increase the prolactin and thus you can hopefully over the long haul increase your milk production but a significant caveat of that is that generally your body will respond to supply so while this can help in aiding you of making more the ultimate way for you to make more will be to cause it or give your body the signal that it needs more meaning you want to pump more or have baby feed more and that will help you to regulate the supply um i also want to say that while undersupply is so stressful it is very stressful to not feel like you're going to have enough food for your baby there's no going there's no getting around that but I will say that oversupply is also not fun either. So don't try to make an oversupply because you're worried about an undersupply. <laughs> Speaking from experience, you, you, um, if you have too much, you end up leaking on all your clothes, your furniture. You end up having like literally no ability to go out in public because you're always leaking um, through pads. And then also you're at a higher risk for things like mastitis because you're not able to get it all out of your body. So if you end up getting, like if you end up holding milk in, in your, the breast tissue without allowing it to escape, you're at higher risk for creating a, a clog in the ducts. And then you end up having, you know, like more pressure build there. And then it, that leaves you more risk for infection, which is mastitis. And so it's not as if having an oversupply is the goal. And I think that some people assume that having an over, oversupply is the goal. No, you want to have just enough, maybe slightly more, but not an over, like not an overabundance. You don't, you, despite what is on Instagram and YouTube and Facebook, like you do not need a fridge full of milk. You, you just don't. Unless you are exclusively 
pump feeding, then go for it. But it's like, it is unnecessary for you to do that. And then um, I will say there are so many resources online to help you with this. One of the best resources I had um, was my, uh, I follow her on Instagram, Miss Carrie Locker. She has a Carrie for postpartum course that I took. And I found it to be really amazing because it was uh, basics that I thought I needed to be able to feel better. You know, like I knew I would figure out how to put a diaper on, but I'd never put a diaper on. Like I don't, you know, I, I, I have a doctorate. I didn't at the time, but I was almost done with my doctorate. So I was like, maybe I'll figure this out. Um, but I wanted to have someone help me, um, help me with the questions I would be afraid to ask because I, they feel like I should already know them. Because I'm letting you know, there are going to be so many questions that you have that you might feel shame or guilt that you don't know the answer. And guess what? I'm going to tell you that is not true. It is totally normal to not know how to put a diaper on, not know how to use a pump, not feel comfortable nursing in public, um, wanting to nurse in public because it's easier, but wanting to also hide. Um, it is totally normal to feel like you're out of out of your comfort zone. And just a reminder, this is a time of growth. This is a time of learning in your life, and that's uncomfortable. And it's okay to be uncomfortable right now. That doesn't mean you don't know what you're doing, and that does not give any value as to how good or bad you are as a mom. So I hope that gives you a good overview of breastfeeding and or... Um, how you could help yourself through the process in the beginning stages of postpartum where you're really worried about feeding your baby because guess what it is so stressful but it's also it all works out you're gonna have a lot of support that you didn't realize you had and also now you have a very clear understanding of what's kind of going on in terms of your physiology and how to use that to your advantage if you have any questions feel free to leave me a message on instagram it's at Dr. Kaylin Galloway, and I hope to see you there. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the New Mom Naturopath Podcast. I really hope you learned something and grew during this episode. If you could leave me a podcast review on Apple Podcasts, that'd be so helpful for me. If you have any questions, email me at admin at thenewmomnaturopath.com. And as always, please join our Facebook group, The New Mom Naturopath, on Facebook. Have a wonderful day.